Welcome to Upskill with EdTech, a production of SkillRise, an initiative of ISTE. I'm your host, Brandon Olszewski, Director of Research at ISTE. In our second season, Learners for Life, we explore the need for increasing access to digital resources and how to use them to advance professional learning and upskilling. This season, those of us on the SkillRise team will be interviewing adult learning professionals who are upping their knowledge of ed tech to better support adult learning, as well as experts in the field to better understand trends in work and lifelong learning. The future of work is here, and we're ready to dig in. Welcome. Today's episode features a discussion about the profile of a lifelong learner, a new framework from SkillRise that defines transferable dispositions and skills that adult learners need in order to be competitive in the future of work. We've got some phenomenal guests on the program today, including Jamie Harris, who is an education program specialist focused on adult education and literacy services at the Maryland Department of Labor, Kelly Middleton-Banks, who is Manager of Program Implementation at the National Association of Workforce Boards, and Lee Downing, who is an ISTE SkillRise Project Manager. Before we dive into discussion, uh, I want to queue up a little bit about what the profile is. So one way we think about this at SkillRise is that even the best ed tech initiatives will enjoy limited impact if they set their sights low. At ISTE, it's not just about a question of integrating technology, but rather providing the best possible teaching and learning experiences. And you can't do that in the digital age without technology. The profile of a lifelong learner is that vision for what a learner should be today. It defines the dispositions and skills that adult learners need in order to be competitive in the future of work. And in doing so, points the way towards strategic uses of technology. Those dispositions we call features because they're elements of the profile or different aspects of it. And those skills we call practices, since they're generally something that you have to practice in order to become better. There are three aspects of the profile that I want to mention before we get into where it came from. First of all, research-based. There are a lot of different types of skills frameworks out there. But the research base on them, in our experience, was either poor or relatively undocumented. The research base behind the profile is really strong, and it's presented right alongside it on our website. Also actionable, most of the frameworks that we at SkillRise reviewed fail to provide introduction, adoption, and assessment resources. One thing we've learned at ISTE, especially with our work through our ISTE standards, is that if you're going to put a framework out there, You have to provide on-ramp support. So we're going to be doing that in 2021. And finally, oriented towards systems change. Being prepared for the future of work isn't something that rests entirely on the learner who's looking to upskill. Rather, systems like training programs and policy processes need to be in place to support changes from all directions. The profile acknowledges this, and we're going to be addressing adoption resources from all these angles too. With that, let's dive in. Lee, we'll start with you. Can you tell us a little bit about how the profile was developed? Uh, What elements were used in developing the first draft? Who is involved in the process? Tell us a little bit more about that. So when we got started, we really wanted to ground things in research, as you mentioned. Um, 
looking at a land, doing a landscape scan of similar frameworks that existed in the field was really key. Looking at what was already out there and seeing where, where there were holes, where things were missing. Educational Testing Service, ETS, did a literature review of non-cognitive constructs that predict workplace success. And so we took those and folded them in as well into our consideration. And then also we looked at the ISTE standards for students. So putting that all into the mix, we came out with um, a body of features that we moved forward with. So as we were developing, drafting, um, we received ongoing drafting and feedback support from our advisor panel, which was an incredible group of people. We're going we're gonna to name them in just a second. Um, but we also received some feedback from focus groups who had practitioners uh, who were community college educators, workforce development trainers, adult educators, and also some feedback from our friends at World Ed and the Ideal Consortium. So we had some great people on our side who were helping us out along the way as we developed the features and the uh, practices. So I want to go ahead and and name our advisors because they were such an important part of this process, really, really here with us in our corner and, and doing the hard work with us. So we have Kelly Middleton Banks, who's here with us. We're really excited today, um, who's with the National Association of Workforce Boards, David Miyashiro with the Cajon Valley School District, Netta Anaseri of the Outreach and Technical Assistance Network, OTAN, Josh Kopas from JFF Labs, Megan Wills from Advanced CTE, Jamie Fall of Upskill America, Heidi Silver Paquilla from the Virginia Department of Adult Education, Jeff Gumas from World Ed, Cindy Reed from Kentuckiana Works, and Sandra Cortez from Laredo College. Um, together, they brought expertise from so many different corners of the field and really helped us create a profile that serves many different groups of adult learner workers. So we have those in workforce development programs, those in adult basic education programs, those attending community college. We really wanted a lot of people to be under the umbrella of the profile, to be served well by it. And really the profile we were shooting to serve uh, any adults who live and work in today's world. So that even includes us. Well, that's an ambitious goal. And uh, as you said, quite an all-star team. Let's touch base with one of them. Hey, Kelly, um, thank you for serving on our advisory board. The experience you brought was powerful and informative for everyone. Um, Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about the role that you played, uh, that you played, or maybe the other advisors too. What impressed you about working with the group? Well, what did you enjoy about the process? Thanks so much, Brandon. And, you know, Leah really did sum up a lot of what we did um, as an advisor on this uh, really important project, you know, provided, you know, guidance and insight on identifying the core tenets and qualities that ultimately became the, the lifelong learner profile. And it reviewed versions of the profile, providing edits, you know, based on uh, the, the team's experience and expertise and just understanding, you know, what does it mean to be a lifelong learner? Um, and I think most importantly, you know, really worked diligently to think through language and the intent of each core tenant and quality on how that would be applied and used in different domains, such as workforce and education. I think the advisors really, really took 
this to heart and really were very mindful of the work that they were doing and why this was so important and the need for this type of profile during these times. I think what really most impressed me about the the group of individuals that were brought together were the level of experience and expertise um, across the board. As Leah mentioned, there were representatives from adult ed, career technical, higher ed, K through 12 and workforce from across the country, you know, all contributing to this content um, and their commitment to creating a profile that had practical use. You know, we weren't thinking of just lofty ideas of qualities and skills. We really looked at grounding this work and grounding the, the content and tenets of this of this profile um, and things that were attainable that we could see in growth and personal and professional growth. And so it was just really exciting uh, to be a part of the group and to, to contribute to the Lifelong Learner Profile. Well, it was great to have you. Um, we weren't lucky enough to have Jamie on our board, um, although we did have some other kind of state adult ed folks. Jamie Harris, uh, you're a little bit new to the profile of a lifelong learner, but you have been like neck deep in work on digital literacy frameworks uh, in the state of Maryland that you've been helping spearhead. Can you tell us a little bit about that? It's similar to our profile in some ways. Uh, what challenges did you encounter? What worked really well? Uh, what kind of supports is your team developing to ha help practitioners understand and integrate that framework into classrooms today? Thank you, Isti Skill-Rice, for allowing me to join in this conversation. And Brandon, yes, I am at the Maryland Department of Labor. And in my role there, I work with adult education providers across the state to integrate technology. Um, the resource you're referring to, the Digital Literacy Framework for Adult Learners, was created for three reasons. One, to provide structure and some definition related to digital literacy. Two, to offer a reference for evaluation for our field. And three, to encourage technology integration. I think it would be helpful for me to provide a little bit of background um, for Maryland. In 2004, a work group came together and developed technology standards for Maryland. And those standards provided technology use guidance to instructors. So in 2008, I reviewed those technology standards, and in those standards were words like videotapes and audio tapes. It was clear that a revision was needed. However, um, I soon realized that a revision wasn't enough. Adult educators needed a framework that could apply in many different contexts and be relevant for the present and the future. Um, we had to kind of forecast what they would need in the future. So the Digital Literacy Framework is a resource that outlines seven interconnected elements of a digitally literate adult learner. And within the resources, um, readers can find definitions, guiding questions, a description, and situational examples for each of those elements. I would say um, this work couldn't be done in a silo. As you know, Brandon, because you pulled together such an incredible team, um, we at the Office of, of Adult Education and Literacy Services partnered with instructional specialists, intake and assessment specialists, administrators, instructors, and formed a work group which developed the framework. In this process, the need for collaboration and incorporating the expertise of educators in the field was vital in creating the resource. You asked about supports, 
and um, helping and support our practitioners and understanding how to integrate the framework. Um, so we developed the digital literacy framework and it launched in December of 2019. Instructors were able to participate in multiple professional development opportunities. We have a virtual training institute in the state of Maryland. And so um, not only were individuals invited to reach out and ask questions during these webinars and through professional development, but they were given the opportunity to email directly to me and my other colleagues with questions and um, provide the challenges they have so that we can support them real time through those challenges to figure out a solution. Additionally, programs within the state have created their own supports, which has been incredible to watch. One instructional specialist came up with a um, scavenger hunt to teach instructors and, and demonstrate these elements of the framework. In addition, some newsletters were put out called Technology Thursday. Um, I've had it's been a real joy to watch programs integrate this into their programs. It's also inspiring hearing about how creative they are. Uh, I mean, scavenger hunts, that sounds fun. Um, and, and I think in some ways it really kind of highlights this idea of the importance of being a lifelong learner in labor markets and an economy that's changing so rapidly. Maybe we'll turn there next. Uh, you know, it's the profile of a lifelong learner. Uh, but that could have many different meanings depending on your industry, educational environment. Lee, how did you land on these qualities? What assumptions were made in selecting these and how did you land on the lifelong learning piece? Really, as, as mentioned earlier, we wanted to ground this so firmly in research. And so the qualities were, were really pulled from the research that we did. We you know, did the ETS Lit Review, we had the advice and reflections of our advisors, and we had the skills and qualities that had bubbled to the top in our landscape scan. We really wanted to make sure that we were serving an unmet need that wasn't just redundant with what already existed. Um, as far as challenges go, usually framework makers don't really make the best adoption resources. And one thing that we think distinguishes our profile is that instead of at this point sort of dropping our focus and, and not really putting a lot of effort into those adoption resources, our applied focus of where we're going next is, is really on that. We haven't totally mapped that out 100%, but our focus is, is really focused on that. It's um, a challenge we've identified, where we're going, uh, we know how to solve it, and and that's what we're, we're doing next. Kelly, maybe I'll turn to you uh, in the world of workforce boards. Like, how do you envision the profile being used? Um, you know, we've kind of got this anchor around lifelong learning. Lee was mentioning, hey, you know, adoption resources are really important. How do you see this playing out in your world? Thanks so much, Brandon. You know, I see the the profile as being an opportunity to um, really take time to to assess where individuals are. Um, one part of workforce practitioners' role is to do these initial assessments. Um, this could be an opportunity to identify the types of qualities and skills of a lifelong 
learner in the job seekers or um, other individuals that are coming into the workforce centers and the workforce board. Um, I also see it as a, an opportunity to utilize the framework as um, a part of the trainings that are put forth, um, aligning the trainings to help grow these qualities in individuals, as well as you know developing certain resources to support individuals as they take their journey um, through professional and personal growth. And in addition to that, I think it's an opportunity for employers as well as workforce practitioners to to gain a better understanding of the employers and job seekers that they're working with and find a way to engage their employees to play a role um, and and encourage their growth and advancement. And as you mentioned earlier, the, the intent is not that it's all dependent on the lifelong learner. Employers can have to take a more active role in creating these opportunities that would address some of these characteristics. Um, Because I think ultimately, as we looked and developed these lifelong learner profile, you know, the question came to how do you create someone or make them mindful of what a future worker is? Um, What does those qualities and characteristics look like? And I think this lifelong learner profile lends to workforce practitioners as well as employers just to really have something to hold on to, to kind of look at and say, these are the characteristics that will help with advancement and will help with professional growth and sustainability and work. So I, I see the profile playing out in, in a workforce development domain in, in that way. Jamie, are there some pieces about Kelly's comments that resonate with you? Um, I know you all already have a great head start in the state of Maryland with the digital literacy framework. Um, have you heard some things that resonate? Uh, what are you hopeful about? So yes, I did hear some things that resonated. Um, when we talk about digital literacy, it doesn't fit only a student in a classroom. Digital literacy that need expands beyond to administrators, to staff, to instructors. And as Kelly mentioned, we're talking about the worker and we're also talking about the employees. Uh, Digital literacy is important across the board. And so these frameworks should not just uh, fit a tiny niche. They need to understand that um, multiple people have the need to build their digital literacy skills. Um, When we talk about um, the Maryland Digital Literacy Framework for Adult Learners, the target audience is clear. Uh, It's adult learners, and it doesn't only mean instructors. Adult learners are administrators, staff, and also instructors. And Lee mentioned earlier, um, digital literacy can be a need of us professionals, and it's actually constant, right? We are constantly building our digital literacy skills. For students to learn digital literacy skills, the instructor must possess the skills. And so it was vital for us to communicate in the digital literacy framework for adult learners that the tool is for adult learners as a whole. So when we think about adoption resources, basically like putting a framework like this into practice, um, you know, we really want to make sure that there are on-ramps for educators at all types of levels who can come change their practice, learn new things. Jamie, I've seen uh, an instructor kind of like implementation guide that you all developed along with the digital literacy framework. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure, Brandon. Um, So we created the digital literacy framework for adult learners, and it is a beginning 
but we knew that it wasn't enough. And so this year in 2020, we launched the Digital Literacy Framework Instructor Implementation Guide. And it's really exciting because it's the outcome of a project that pulled in the expertise of instructors across the field. And these instructors provided lesson activities that demonstrated the integration of the elements from the Digital Literacy Framework into content. The outcome in in this instructor implementation guide is multiple sections. So the first section is a resource that offers lesson activities for reading, writing, math, science, social studies, and language learning. And in the second section of the instructor implementation guide, we have a curation of online resources that supports implementation from tutorials to videos to websites and et cetera. Um, again, here is another beautiful example of collaboration and the highlight of the field and practical demonstrations of how to integrate the digital literacy elements of the framework. Well, we at ISTE couldn't agree more that we're all in the same boat around the necessity of lifelong learning. Kelly, maybe we'll return to you. What comes after a framework like this? Like, let's just say we get pieces like this up and running and we're changing the way that adult learning, whether it's workforce training or community college, let's say we get it up and running. How do we know if it's successful? Let's just fast forward two years. How do we know it worked? What would you hope to see? That's a really good question. And I, I took some time to try to think through as you know what that means. And I think success can be measured in a variety of ways. You know, one way I would hope to see or would consider success is the utilization and acceptance of the framework across different domains, you know, within workforce, within education. Seeing that different employers or workforce practitioners or education providers, you know, actually see this as a resource and a tool as they work with different students or employees or job seekers um, on their journey to lifelong learning and understanding and recognizing the value of what it means to be a lifelong learner. So, so that's one area. I also think increased engagement in lifelong learning activities, you know, based on this framework, you know, as I mentioned earlier, and as we've discussed, you know, aligning trainings and, and resources and tools to help people grow um, different areas of, of this profile to become more um, of an all-encompassing whole lifelong learner. Um, and you mentioned there's some on-ramp support that's coming out on 2021. So I see that as playing a, a big role in, you know, not only the acceptance, but the increased engagement around lifelong learning activities um, and recognizing and having a greater understanding of what it means to be a lifelong learner. And with that, considering that an earlier start, um, we're talking about adults, but it's an opportunity now to have those conversations with individuals in K through 12 and start to prepare them in a way in which they are positioned um, in meeting some of these and, and acquiring some of these attributes to be more of a all encompassing uh, lifelong learner and contribute, you know, to society. Absolutely. Kelly, um, Jamie, what about you in your world? How do you know if you're successful with the efforts you're making with adult digital literacy? So, Brandon, I'm in the Office of Adult Education and Literacy Services, and the reason I do my work is for the success of our learners. When you look at the digital literacy framework for adult learners, you will see that there are situational examples for life, academia, and employment. 
the reason why we focus on digital literacy is for our learners and for our instructors. And it doesn't just impact their professional lives, it impacts their personal lives and employment. So we know it's successful if we see higher student employment or we hear very good things from our learners because they were able to implement some digital literacy skills that they received while they were in the classroom. We know it's successful when we see student outcomes increase because they've focused their digital literacy skills on their education. We know it's successful when a learner is able to go into the world and live life and be better positioned because they received the skills they need to be digitally literate. And so that um, we are already hearing from our learners and from our instructors. So it's extremely exciting. Um, But as Kelly mentioned, when we see the tool being used and implemented Frequently, we also know it's a success. We know that we were able to create a framework that speaks to the immediate need of our providers in the state. Jamie, I love to hear this idea of overall, like better quality of life. You know, like when we learn new skills and we either do something more interesting or new at work or uh, learn a new hobby and our lives become better and feeling more fulfilling. Um, that's, that's, that's something that's needed in our world at this time. And uh, we love the work that you all are doing and we hope we're going to accomplish that with the profile, which I suppose leads me to uh, believe what's next in terms of the profile of a lifelong learner. What's coming up in terms of making sure it's accessible, useful for practitioners? What, what, can, what can we look forward to? Well, the profile will be released at the ISTE 20 Live virtual conference in early December of this year. So that's really exciting. Um, looking forward, as we continue our work with the profile, we're going to be building partnerships with workforce development and adult learning organizations who we will be helping use the profile to build more effective learning experiences. Um, for their adult learner workers. And those partnerships will will be mutually beneficial. They're also going to help us develop needed on-ramps and supportive materials for the profile, helping to make it a really valuable resource for more and more organizations across the board. I feel like today's episode featured what I might think of as like trailblazers for lifelong learning. Kelly, Jamie, Lee, thank you all so much for joining us today uh, and for leaving our listeners with some inspiring news about how adult education and workforce are thinking about the skills that adult learners need to thrive in the future of work. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Thanks, Brandon. The Upskill with EdTech podcast series is produced by Getting Smart as part of ISTE's SkillRise initiative. Our editor and music man is Trevor Stout. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. For additional valuable ideas about EdTech, adult learning, and upskilling, check out SkillRise.org where you can download the SkillRise framework and find other great resources. You can also keep up to date by following our Twitter feed at SkillRiseOrg, or you can join the conversation in our Workforce EdTech LinkedIn group. Thanks for tuning in.